Hello, welcome to Discovering Jazz. My name's Larry Sademan here in Victoria, BC. In this program, we all discover jazz old and new together. We'll listen to a wide variety of jazz styles and I'll present different topics, giving ideas as to what we can listen for to enhance our experience. Thanks to Peterborough Independent Podcasters for hosting this podcast. For the next 60 minutes, Discovering Jazz. Well, I'm back to that Giants of Jazz series of three record sets and booklets from Time Life that I subscribed to in the late 70s to early 80s. It was virtually all swing-era musicians, and today I'll talk about and play some Teddy Wilson, Earl Hines, Benny Carter, and some tracks from one three record set simply called The Guitarists. I'll also throw in an earlier big band from Canada, Not a giant in the sense of the Time Life series, but pretty significant in terms of the development of Canadian jazz. I'm talking about Mart Kenny. Let's start with Benny Carter, volume 10 of the series, which came in 1980 when Benny Carter was still alive and still playing. He was born in 1907 and died in 2003 at the age of 95. He lived a pretty healthy life with None of the drugs or alcohol that claimed so many jazz musicians prematurely. And, like most black jazz musicians, he did experience racial discrimination and ended up transporting much of his career to Europe where he didn't face such prejudice. So, what instrument did Benny Carter play? Answer, virtually all of them. He excelled at alto sax, trumpet, clarinet and tenor sax, and uh, this Time Life series features all those. Uh, He also played piano and trombone, probably best known for alto sax, and it is said that he taught the alto sax to sing. You can hear it in this first track. From 1967 with Oscar Peterson on piano, here is I Can't Get Started, Benny Carter. From a 1967 Jazz at the Philharmonic concert, that's Benny Carter on alto sax, with Canadian pianist Oscar Peterson, Sam Jones on string bass, and Bobby Durham drums. Benny Carter's 
favorite instrument was trumpet. He struggled with it as a youth and gave it up for the alto sax, then later came back to it. The notes to this set by Edward Berger quotes trombonist Vic Dickinson as saying, this is the greatest trumpet solo he ever made. Maybe it's the greatest trumpet solo ever. And French jazz critic Hugues Panassi called it one of the most beautiful inventive trumpet solos ever waxed. Benny Carter's own arrangement, and he was very much heralded as a composer and arranger as well as instrumentalist. More than you know. Benny Carter and his orchestra from 1939. The Great Vocal by Roy Felton. Benny Carter spent lots of time in Europe, and in one instance in 1936, arriving in Copenhagen on the same train was Archduke Otto, claimant to the Austro-Hungarian throne. Well, the Danes were thronging the station, and uh, Benny Carter says, I thought they were there to greet the Archduke. Then I saw them all pointing at me. Young fans ended up carrying him into the main hall. His concerts garnered rave reviews, some rating him above two other recent American visitors, Louis Armstrong and Coleman Hawkins. Benny Carter never received the same fame as many others, despite the fact that he was such an amazing arranger and instrumentalist. Some speculate that it was because no musicians really followed him in the sense of trying to imitate his alto sax sound. Maybe nobody could. Besides his sound, the other unique thing about Benny Carter was his love of symmetry, where he would take the listener from one unexpected development to another, both in his arrangements and in his playing. So one more from Benny Carter, giving you a sample of that symmetry, as well as some of his clarinet playing, an instrument he abandoned in the 1940s. This was released in time for Christmas in 1936, and it features Tommy... McQuater on trumpet, Jerry Moore piano, 
Albert Harris on guitar, Wally Morris string bass, Al Craig on drums, and Benny Carter on clarinet and alto saxophone. Recorded in London with British musicians, Carter first displays his amazing tone in the lower register on clarinet, then later re-enters on alto for two choruses. Jingle Bells, Benny Carter and his swing quintet. Next on this episode of Discovering Jazz, I'll move to another Time Life Giants of Jazz 3 record set by the great pianist Earl Hines, another musician who played right up to modern times, having died in 1983 at the age of 80. Let's go right into a recording that I thought was pretty exciting. From 1958, playing with Curtis Lowe on tenor saxophone, Charles Oden on bass, and Earl Watkins drums, eight minutes of Brussels Hustle, Earl Hines Quartet. Thank you. 
Wow, this is probably closer to bebop than to swing, don't you think? Earl Father Hines. Hines revolutionized the role of piano and jazz, freeing it from its requirement to always maintain an unfaltering rhythm in the left hand, so it could now be fully involved in improvisation. As you can hear in that last recording, Earl Hines' left hand was as free as his right in doing whatever he wanted to do, often just implying the beat rather than playing it. You can really hear it in this 1926 duet with Louis Armstrong, Weatherbird. The next Giants of Jazz set in this series is number 12, and it's the only one that doesn't feature a single artist. This one is simply called The Guitarists, and it features music and information about some of the guitarists who were most formative in the beginnings of jazz. Thirteen guitarists are mentioned, and I won't play them all, but maybe select four or five. I'll start with Eddie Lang the first prominent guitar soloist in jazz, who died at the age of 30 in 1933 due to a botched tonsillectomy. His guitar was acoustic, but he was more in demand than any other guitarist in the U.S., particularly in recordings where they could adjust the microphone balance so you could hear him. Here's a great one from 1931 with violinist Joe Venuti, as well as Charlie Teagarden on trumpet, Jack Teagarden trombone and a great vocal, and Frank Signorelli on string bass, also drummer Neil Marshall. You can really hear how Eddie Lang is everywhere, his strumming, sometimes furious, his solo, the fills, and his single note accents complementing the trumpet solo, After You've Gone.
After you're gone, there's no use denying You'll feel blue, you'll feel sad You'll miss the dearest pal you've ever had There'll come a time, now don't forget it, babe There'll come a time when you regret it Someday, when you grow lonely Your heart will break like mine and you'll want me only After you've grown, after you've grown away Right. Now for some Django Reinhardt and his hot club of France. At age 18, he lost two fingers from his fighting hand. That was due to a burning accident where he was walking around with a candle at night trying to catch a mouse, and the flame touched off a bunch of celluloid flowers, causing a fire. And He was badly burned, bedridden for 18 months, and he only recovered the use of his thumb and first two fingers of his left hand the fretting hand, so he ends up playing all those complicated licks and chords using only two fingers. This track, with violinist Stefan Grappelli, is particularly interesting because while the melody is suggested in its intro, it doesn't get played until well into the song. It starts with improvisations by Reinhardt and Grappelli, which certainly wasn't common in 1937 when dancers really needed to hear the melody minor swing. Thank you. 
on to the next guitarist, an Argentinian living in Paris named Oscar Alleman, perhaps the first jazz guitarist to play fingerstyle like a classical guitarist. I agree with critic Leonard Feather, who said that Alleman could outswing and outplay Reinhardt. Just listen to his version of Jeepers Creepers from 1939. Get so lit out. Gosh, you'll get out and how to get that size. Golly gee, when you turn those heaters on, woe is me. I've got to put my cheaters on. Jeepers, creepers, where get those peepers? Oh, those peepers, how to hit my down. Hmm, where'd get those eyes? Vocalist there is Alleman's bassist, Wilson Myers. I expect that all of you are wondering, since I'm talking about the great jazz guitarists, when I'm going to play some Charlie Christian. Here is the answer, right now. Charlie Christian made his first guitar from a cigar box, but he wanted a guitar to sound like a saxophone. He made the electric guitar into a prominent instrument in jazz and his unusual harmonies inspired the form that came to be known as bop. In fact, some say that Charlie Christian coined that term. His career only lasted 23 months. It's hard to say where he would have taken music if he had lived longer, but he died of tuberculosis and pneumonia in 1942. From 1941, here he is with the Benny Goodman Orchestra, Solo Flight. Thank you. 
Charlie Parker with the Benny Goodman Orchestra from 1941, Solo Flight. Many people think that Charlie Parker was the first jazz artist to use an electric guitar, but he wasn't. He was inspired by another guitarist, Eddie Durham. The first recorded jazz solos on electric guitar are probably the choruses that Eddie Durham played in 1938 with the Kansas City Five. Here is Good Morning Blues, which also has Freddie Green strumming an acoustic guitar. Kansas City Five from 1938 and featuring what was probably the first time that the electric guitar was ever used in jazz. And that was, uh, that guitarist was Eddie Durham. The trumpet player, by the way, was Buck Clayton. One more guitarist, a man who lived his last years in Toronto in the 1960s and 70s and one of the first blues artists to move into jazz, Lonnie Johnson. Here he is, playing a guitar duo with Blind Willie Dunn, who is doing the rhythm. Who is Blind Willie Dunn? It's Eddie Lang, that first guitarist I played. He used that name partly to avoid the appearance of racial mixing. Not so popular in 1929, Lang was white and Lonnie Johnson black. Here they are with Bullfrog Moan. Thank you. 
You are listening to Discovering Jazz. My name is Larry Sademan, and I'm talking about the excellent Time Life series from the mid-70s to the early 80s called The Giants of Jazz. I just finished playing six tracks from Volume 12, all about the guitarists. I'm going to skip ahead to Volume 20 in a moment, but first, a Canadian interlude. If someone had done a series of Canadian giants of jazz, again, early masters, who might be on it? I've mentioned Guy Lombardo, Oscar Peterson, and Gil Evans, even though those latter two uh, weren't really all that early. This week, I want to talk briefly about a Western Canadian orchestra leader named Mart Kenny. That's M-A-R-T, Kenny. He was born in 1910, died in 2006, and formed his first orchestra, the Western Gentlemen, in Vancouver in 1931. They were considered the hottest dance band during World War II, and uh, the All About Jazz website called them Canada's answer to Benny Carter. Not much improvising on their records, but apparently in the ballroom, when they were able to stretch out, some of the soloists then were featured. A number of prominent jazz musicians went through that band. Jazz writer Mark Miller stated that they were a versatile dance band, neither excessively sweet nor too boldly swinging. Here are two records by Mark Kenny and the Western Gentleman. There's Honey on the Moon Tonight from 1938, followed by Down in Nashville, Tennessee, which I believe was from 1951. Let's give a listen. Tennessee. You'll find your kind 
broken, why keep looking? Come with me down to Nashville, Tennessee. Chick-a-ling-bone, come with me down to Nashville, Tennessee. Your gals are pals. They're always ready to go steady. Make your plea down in Nashville, Tennessee. Chick-a-ling-bone, make your plea. guess you can't really call them jazz giants. Uh, certainly uh, when you're thinking along the lines of Benny Carter and Louis Armstrong, etc., etc. And uh, it's certainly questionable as to whether you'd even call this jazz. But uh, for Canada, they definitely were jazz giants. That's Mark Kenny and the Western Gentleman, the first track. There's Honey on the Moon Tonight. That was from 1938. And the vocalist in that was uh, Georgia, Georgia Day, right? And uh, the second track, down in Nashville, Tennessee, Norma Locke was the singer. All right, let's go back to the uh, Giants of Jazz. Time for one more from this uh, Time Life series. It's Teddy Wilson. He was described as a gentle, elegant, gracious man. Hired by the Benny Goodman Band in 1936, he and Lionel Hampton were the first black musicians to play in a predominantly white band, and this paved the way to further integrated bands. He was a tasteful pianist who never overplayed, and when accompanying a singer such as Billie Holiday, he really listened. You can hear it in the last tune of this week's podcast. From 1937, Teddy Wilson and his orchestra with Billie Holiday on vocal, Buck Clayton again on trumpet, Prince Robinson clarinet, Vito Musso on tenor sax, Alan Roos guitar, Walter Page bass, and Cozy Cole on drums. And of course, Teddy Wilson on piano. Things are looking up. You've been listening to Discovering Jazz, brought to you through Peterborough Independent Podcasters. My name is Larry Sademan. Catch you next week. Bye for now. with four-leaf clover All things are looking up This love looked up at me 
But no more will I be the mourner For I've certainly turned the corner All things are looking up Since love looked up at me See the sunbeams Everyone beams Just because And my depression is unmistakably true. Things are looking up. It's a great little world we live in. Oh, I'm happy as a pup since love looked up at me. Mm-hmm. 